people are like, this is hip-hop musical about the Founding Fathers, and I think it had intrigue. The energy that they brought was just incredible. I mean, it was, it was so meaningful to people on the island, but to us also. You know, I'm proud to be part of a company that wants to be part of that change. In every aspect of Hamilton, it's about delivering a really incredible, consistent product, no matter where you see it. Hello, Theatre Art Life podcast listeners. Today, we're sharing with you the audio from our one-on-one interview series. We hope that you enjoy listening. Some of our discussion has references to pictures shown in our webinar, so if you want to see these pictures, you can always head over to the Theatre Art Life YouTube channel and watch the replay. Enjoy. Without further ado, I am introducing you to Frank, who is the production manager for Hamilton. So hi, Frank, and thank you for joining us today. Hey, thanks for having me. Wonderful. So before we get started into all of the history of Hamilton, I want you to give us a little bit of a brief about how you ended up being the production manager for Hamilton. I uh, started more on the stage management side, actually, and I was pretty recently graduated from NYU as Hamilton was at the Public Theater off-Broadway in New York, Um, and they were getting ready to transfer to Broadway, and I managed to uh, meet with the the production stage manager for that uh, Broadway production that was coming up, and we just really hit it off, and he hired me to be a production assistant, actually, for that. And through that, I met Neil Mazzella, who is my current boss and the CEO of Hudson Scenic and Hudson Theatrical Associates, where I work. And uh, we hit it off. And as my time on the stage management side kind of wrapped up, he asked me if I wanted to consider production management. And I did. And so I went over there and have been there for about five years. And in that time, worked my way kind of from an assistant up. uh, And now, because I had that relationship with Hamilton already, kind of with Hamilton as a show and have been fortunate enough to bring it... uh, bring all its uh, iterations since Broadway to life. What an amazing journey. And so were you there on that off-Broadway? Did you join the off-Broadway or you just joined when you went on to the the Broadway production? I joined right after the off-Broadway. So through the rehearsal process and the change changes process as we went to Broadway and then through Mm -hmm. kind of our Broadway tech period and previews and all that. What was the installation and creation of Hamilton on Broadway like? Was there a big buzz about it? And how did that go? I think there was a, a locally, there was a really good buzz from the off-Broadway production. A lot of people had heard about it and it was a very small theater at the public. So not a lot of people had actually seen it, but people were like, there's this hip hop musical about the founding fathers. And I think it had intrigue. And by the time we got to Broadway, the buzz was pretty big. And And for anyone who has followed this show, they know that the first couple of years on on Broadway were completely wild. I mean, tickets were near impossible to get. And we were doing little, we were doing a ticket lottery, you get $10 tickets um, to the show. And we'd um, do a live drawing every day. And, you know, five, 10,000 people would come every day to try and win these 22 tickets or something. And so it was a really incredible energy of something new on Broadway. And at what point did you did you join Hudson Scenic? I joined Hudson kind of right after we opened in New York. I moved over to the production management end. And I did some other shows kind of in between that. And our first out-of-town production was in Chicago. So I did a couple of shows in New York between that, kind of beefed up my production management skills before going and bringing the production to Chicago. Hmm. And for those who are not um, US-based, explain how Hudson Scenic interacts with a Broadway show. Like, what, what, like, how did that, how does that sit in the running of? It's a separate sure. company than the producing company. So, how does that work? Yeah. So, kind of an interesting structure. So, there's the producers of Hamilton, who then hired a general management company, Baseline Theatricals, um, and so they provide general management and company management services. And that general manager hired Hudson Theatrical, who is who I work for. So we provide the technical supervision and production management services. It's almost like we're a consultant, but we're a full-time consultant. (laughs) So we do that for Broadway and all the tours, but also lots of other Broadway shows. We do it for events and arts installations, sort of anyone who needs those services, we provide that. 
And that's a normal that's a normal way that it works over there. Yeah, almost always the uh, in commercial like Broadway or touring is they hire a different company in in regional theater or community theater. Often the production manager is part of that company full time, but little different structure for the commercial side. So that's kind of nice for you because if you're hired with them full time, then you're not beholden to being just on a show. And then once that show finishes, having to go find another job, right? They're just going to put you on another another gig that they're doing. Definitely is nice. I mean, we all kind of work on the business development side of that. We're, we're fortunate that in a, in a given season, we can do so many different types of projects. You know, it keeps our, our work really interesting. Yeah. Interesting. So what does it take to mount Hamilton on Broadway? Tell us. It's a pretty big production for, you know, for those of you who, who maybe have seen it or watched the film on, on uh, Disney Plus, there's not that much like moving scenery or anything, right? But we have a, oh, there, there you go. Great picture of it. So what, what you see there is, is sort of what, what the whole show is, right? The, the turntable and the ring move and, and a couple of little, you know, some lanterns and the staircase and stuff. But we don't have big set changes. We have this one really big unit set that basically we transform through lighting and through sound and through uh, props and our imagination into the many, many spaces that are visited throughout throughout the story of Hamilton. Broadway's a little different because we were still kind of in the creative process, right? We were working with the creative team and, and bringing all the uh, the different elements together. And so we we were in the theater for about two months with that load in kind of it's a permanent installation and we were figuring out all the technical parts of it. And then we did about a month of tech rehearsals and previews before we opened. Now, when we're we go to other cities or we mount new productions of Hamilton, we can do the whole thing, launch a new production in about a month's time. And when we move between cities, you know, on one of our national tours, we load the show out on a Sunday and we open on a Tuesday in a new city. So we, we move uh, the 14 trucks of Hamilton uh, quite quickly. And so you're doing all the coordination of, the, the, of that moving from one location to one location and then um, working with the venues in, in terms of how, you get, how long it's going to take to get installed, et cetera. Yeah, so we often years in advance, we have the, the route booked and there's a, uh, there's a whole separate team of people that just work on booking, booking our route and figuring that out. And what I do, and I'm really lucky to work with a lot of really, really good crew on our, our teams here who bear a kind of a brunt of a lot of the day-to-day logistics because we have these five companies of Hamilton happening at the same time. Um, but yeah, so we, we as, a, as a team, our, my head carpenters, our production staff and myself kind of figure out, you know, how many people are we going to need to get into each city? How long is that drive going to be? Are we, what time are we going to start? One of the things that we do on Hamilton that we're fortunate to be able to do is we have our show team and then we have a separate advance crew. So while the show is happening in one city on Sunday night, we have a whole separate team of people that's already in the next city and they're doing all the rigging in advance for us. They put down the show deck, the turntable, they put in the automation, they put in a lot of our electrics cable and the surround speakers in advance. Sort of all these things that are time consuming and we wouldn't be able to do basically from Monday afternoon to Tuesday night. And so between those teams, we're able to kind of make a game plan and move a really big show. I mean, what you see on tour is almost exactly what you're going to see on Broadway, which is, is an incredible thing to be able to bring to so many people. Mm. John asks, you also bring in, the, in double turntables during the tours or do you look for theatres that already have those? We do. We bring... We do what's basically called a four-wall rental. So the only thing we get is the four walls of that theater and the roof, um, and we bring mm-hmm. everything else. So we bring the floor, the double revolves, all those walls you see. I mean, we bring all that, the rigging package. We bring all our own dimmers, all our own amplifiers, speakers. I mean, the whole kit and caboodle. That <laughs> allows us to have a really consistent package no matter where we go. Yeah, I think you've got some pictures, uh, here we go, of the, the build here, which is quite interesting to see. So you built five sets, basically, right? Right. So we built five sets, and we built even more of the turntable and ring and decks, because that's what goes in advance to each city, but five full sets. And where are these warehouses based, where, you, where they were getting built? 
So they're built, Hudson Theatrical, who I work, our sister company is Hudson Scenic Studio. So they're a scene shop and uh, automation and scenic arts studio. So the sets are built up there, which is just outside of New York City in Yonkers. And then we work with um, Production Resource Group is our lighting and sound vendor for Mm -hmm. all this. So eventually you'll see some shots of the shop build. And that is out in Secaucus, New Jersey. We prep all that. On tour, that like that is a soft brick wall, which is one of our big tricks is we have a mix of hard walls and soft walls, which um, still have a lot of texture because it's all about the lighting. The show, so much of, of the storytelling is done through the lighting. So being able to catch the texture is really important. And we did a lot of R&D with our scenic designer, David Korins and his team to be able to find that mix of like, what's going to look really good, but also what can we do to save a truck space in installation time, which is that balance of the big hard walls and the soft kind of drops. Right. And how much scaling up or scaling down are you doing from venue to venue? Is it minimal or is there a lot of adaptations? Pretty minimal. Um, A big part of booking it is finding spaces that we can fit our kind of main footprint. We have some adaptability on how wide our show portal is and how tall our show portal is. So we can kind of help frame that picture the best way. But Mostly, we were able to have like a very consistent size. This is from the sound team. They were nice enough to send me some photos of uh, all the work they uh, captured while while in their their shop prep too. Um, and so basically, they will build out in advance because it's much more efficient at the shop. They'll prep all the racks for the lighting for the sound, test all the equipment. We pre rig a lot of the truss for all the the uh, lighting instruments. And we'll go ahead and kind of test everything there before it rolls out. So we know that when we get into the theater, we can be as efficient as possible. That's a lot of gear. (laughs) It's a lot of gear. We have, um, I think, four trucks, including the advance of, you know, 53-foot semi-trucks full of lighting and sound gear. Let's talk a little bit and show you can show us a little bit about the load-in. Where is this load-in? This load-in looks like it is in San Francisco which was one of our, and this shot is from Puerto Rico. So some different theaters that we've loaded into. Well, Puerto Rico is a very specific story, isn't it? Because I think there's quite a tale as to the reason, you know, would you like to go in with the audience about why you went to Puerto Rico, how that happened and all of the trials and tribulations of that? Sure. For those that might not know, a few years ago, Hurricane Maria hit the island of Puerto Rico and it was really devastating to the island down there. And Almost immediately after that happened, Lin-Manuel, who wrote Hamilton, and his father is from Puerto Rico, and they have obviously big ties to the island. And so almost, you know, days after the hurricane had cleared, um, they called, you know, kind of the management team of Hamilton and said, we want to figure out a way to bring Hamilton to the island and do a big fundraiser and raise money and, and raise the spirits on the island. And so... We endeavored on that, and we worked with a lot of amazing partners in Puerto Rico to do this. And we're able to, uh, we renovated a theater at the University of Puerto Rico. We worked with them on their renovation to restore it, mostly just because it had so much damage from the hurricane. And and we firmly believed that having an art space is important. And so we worked with them to, to renovate that with the plan of bringing the show to uh, the University of Puerto Rico. It was going to be the first first show that's gone there due to a lot of kind of complicated reasons we ended up not using that space and went to a different theater another theater on the island centro de bellas artes and we did the show there but it, it was a huge effort to bring the show down there right i mean part of what we were doing was we wanted to make sure we weren't going to detract any resources from the recovery efforts so we brought basically everything we needed down there we um, on sea containers, we brought generators, we brought, you know, kind of everything we would need to support the production. And we were able to raise millions of dollars with our partners around the, the U.S. and around the world. But maybe equally importantly was ten or 15,000 local Puerto Ricans saw the show for $10. And the energy that they brought was just incredible. I mean, it was, it was so meaningful to people on the island, but to us also. That's amazing. And this is, this, am I right? This is your crew that went to Puerto Rico? Yes, this is the, uh, the team from Puerto Rico, our, our team, as well as a lot of the local crew that had helped us throughout. And uh, 
they all hold a pretty special place in my heart and I think all of our hearts. John asked about, uh, can you also discuss about that sudden change of venue if there's not some things that you're not allowed to discuss and how it affected the tour and how it affected your planning? I think anyone who uh, works in this this industry knows that uh, a lot of planning goes into all these things. And so for us, it had been a year of planning to go into the University of Puerto Rico. And we had done these, you know, we had done a lot of renovations. And by the time the decision was made, we'd actually loaded the whole show in. This is this is a picture from the University of Puerto Rico. Um, so we were pretty much ready to go. And a lot of reasons that we ended up having to move the show. but. Uh, that sort of presented a huge logistics challenge for us because it was going to be over the holidays. And so we, everyone kind of went home for Christmas and a, a group of us pretty much worked through our, the entire Christmas season uh, for about four or five days, uh, along with a lot of people in Puerto Rico to figure out how we were going to do it. So initially it affected us. We, we obviously were not going to be able to open on the same day that we thought we would be able to. But we had a pretty hard out on the other side of Puerto Rico. This production was going to San Francisco to sit down in San Francisco for a long run. So we, and I really got to give credit to our team, but uh, also the local Puerto Rican team on this one. I mean, they pulled off something incredible and we loaded out of that theater, moved to a theater we'd never been to and did the whole thing. We only lost one show. Uh, on that and we add we were able to kind of make the time up and it was a little bigger venue so we were able to reseat everybody get them in and we we're fortunate you know to have the, the team and the resources to kind of throw a lot at it to make that happen um, but definitely was one of the more stressful <laughs> stressful couple weeks of my life and I think a lot of people <laughs> would agree with that <laughs> <laughs> wow that's amazing and then because of that tight turnaround you had to pretty much put it on an airplane, right? And send it back to San Francisco? Yes. You know, one of my favorite parts of the job is to figuring out the logistics and we will use kind of any means necessary to to balance the uh, the time constraints that we're facing along with our budgetary concerns. So in around the country, we mostly truck, truck the show around the country. When we go international, um, there's a production in London now and there's an upcoming production in coming to Australia. Will you see containers? But we were in a pretty big time crunch to get from Puerto Rico to San Francisco. Um, and so we ended up uh, packing a lot of the show up, not the whole show, but most of it got packed up and put on a, a freight plane, which was a cool adventure. <laughs> I'm, I'm a little bit of an aviation geek, so I certainly enjoyed getting that opportunity. I love these photos and I love that. That, uh, that you were geeking out for getting to put your whole set on the uh, UPS plane. This is my favorite picture. <laughs> they were they were so nice to us. They let us uh, let us into the cockpit, and uh, we we were kind of there to oversee the actual loading process. You know, it's a little different loading uh, loading lighting equipment and costumes than it is your average uh, Amazon package. So it was cool to work with them on that. And so, I mean, how did, did you have to tie that down? Like, how does that loading work in a plane? How did, how did you plan for that? A, a lot of people are involved in that. We work with a company called Rocket Cargo, who um, maybe a lot of people have heard of. They work all over the world on kind of specialized freight shipping. So everything we could, we palletized onto air, air pallets, which are specially made. They go on these, you can see in this shot, there's a bunch of rollers inside the plane. Basically, everything you can palletize, you do on that, and it gets netted down to be secure. And then the really big pieces, basically, as long as you can get it in and make the curve of that loading door, which we're pretty good at because we get it on and off trucks every day, it just gets tied down. So it was uh, not that unlike loading a, a truck, actually. And so all your team that usually loads the truck was there to help load the plane? Is that how you worked it out? No, actually, it was a... It was a specialized air freight team just did that, yeah. Our team was on their way to San Francisco. They, had, they were on a plane. They were trying to meet it on the other side. I think that would have been fun if I'd let the crew load the plane. But, yes, there's probably special ways to, to get that on those, those tracks, yep. et cetera, et cetera. John asked how many planes we used. I think it was just one in this instance, just one. Just plane. one. We used a, a pretty large uh, 767 for this. And so the same goes for um, any international touring, right? So how, what's then the logistics of moving it a across countries as opposed to around, the, around America? 
uh, around America. So it's like I said, it's all on on trucks. Um, yeah. When we go international, we can kind of back time uh, how long it's going to take, and we use sea containers, just a little more cost efficient and environmentally friendly than chartering big planes to fly everything around the world. So we use sea containers, and uh, we've gotten a pretty good equivalency for how many sea containers to how many trucks to how many planes we need to move the show. Yeah, yeah. Interesting. And so how much time did you save by using a freight plane, Kevin asks? A lot, like over a week, basically, between loading the sea containers, getting it either down through the Panama Canal and over or to Florida, transferred to trucks and driven over was going to be um, over a week. And this was overnight. So much quicker. <laughs> ah, fantastic. I want to go back to a question before, just for those who don't know. So Ham- Hamilton, Rahel says, how big is the cast and how big's the tech team on the show? Uh, great question. The cast uh, varies a little bit, whether it's a sit-down production or a touring production. Uh, it's like a- around 30, 35 actors that are on tour. And then we have three stage managers, two company managers out. And then our crew is 13 in U.S. uh, Pink Contracts is the crew that travels with these shows. We have 13 crew members that travel with uh, and stay with the show. And then we bring on a local, in each city, local crew is also hired to help with the load-in as well as the run of show. And then we have an advanced team that I had mentioned earlier that helps to just move the show for all the different companies. And they're about 10 or 12 advanced team members. I'm going to answer, ask you a question, Matthew. So I won't forget about that. I'll come back to that. But before we get to that, I want you to tell us a little bit, because I'm quite fascinated as to the process of the filming of Hamilton, uh, which many people have only seen the show through uh, Disney Plus uh, and it's wonderful filming there. And I think, you know, what was that process to how did that happen and and how did they capture such a wonderful representation of the show? For those of you who haven't seen it, it is, it is a really special take on this production. I think they captured the uh, excitement about that show. Uh, we we kind of knew it was something really special and we ended up filming this right after the Tony Awards and we had won quite a few Tony Awards at that point. So the downside was it was super complicated to film right then because so many people were trying to see the show. Uh, So credit goes to our company managers for the logistics on that. But we knew we wanted to capture it and we knew we wanted to do it in a way that wasn't just a couple of still cameras at the back. So we worked with a company called Radical Media who they've done a lot of filming for Broadway shows. And The process, we filmed a number of live shows with audience, and we very strategically put cameras in places that wouldn't hinder the audience, and they are paying audience. We want to make sure they got the full experience. And then we also shot a number of days, or one day where we didn't have an audience, we came in and did a special shoot where we could do kind of all the shots where we had, you know, a steady camera on stage, or we had a big crane in the audience to get kind of some of those sweeping shots. Um, And then we'd also actually film in the afternoons before the audience came in to get even more of those sort of shots. So it was all said and done. I mean, it was less than a week of our filming time that we did it. Some very long days to do it. And then someone spent a lot of time editing it and credit goes to them for getting a really beautiful um, final cut. I mean, it's interesting. It's a very different, I, the first time I saw it, it's it's a different take in that you get you can really get close, right? You see the emotions on the actors' faces and and sort of a lot of the intricacies of the dance. I mean, uh, Andy Blankenbuehler, our choreographer, has done an amazing job with the choreography, and I've seen the show hundreds of times at this point, and I still <laughs> catch new new things that he's doing. I mean, the hand movements that people are doing in each song. I mean, there's always something new to see, and so. A cool part of the filming is is it just a new angle to see this production? Well, I think, you know, given the fact that it was done so well and then um, now it's available around the world for those who haven't been up, had the opportunity to see it yet in their country, uh, I think it's it's amazing. And I, I don't know if people always have the, the time and the budget and the resources to get a, a capture like that, but it certainly has raised the bar on on capturing a Broadway show and bringing it into the home. So I think, you know, it is a credit to radical media big yeah, shout out to them i don't know them yeah. but i think you know big shout out for them <laughs> uh 
Oh, I was going to say, I think the other thing that was important to our producers when they did this was, you know, Hamilton was and, and still is, uh, it's expensive, right? I mean, all Broadway shows, it's expensive to, to travel to New York or to, even if it's on tour, to buy those tickets, right? And a big part of what our producers have done and that we're really fortunate is, is trying to democratize theater a little bit. And so in this, this is one way that, you know, you have whatever it is, $7.99 or something to have your Disney Plus subscription and you can see the show that might cost thousands of dollars to go to in person, right? And so we believe that the story and the way the story is told is so important. And so it allows us to do that. And there's a lot of other initiatives that we are fortunate enough to do. We have a program, all our productions participate in, it's called Edgeham, where we work with students in, in high school and they get uh, some curriculum from Hamilton and they create their own pieces uh, about American history or, or wherever country they are about history and do it through poetry and music and song and, and dance. And then we actually invite them to come see the show at a greatly discounted rate, basically free for students who might not be able to afford it. And they come, mm -hmm. they perform, students perform their pieces on stage with members of Hamilton and then see the show. And I think that doing things like that whether it's filming or whether it's those sort of programs, we're lucky to be able to do it at Hamilton and it, it grows the audience base. And it, it, like I said, I think it's democratizing theater in a way. And that's one of the best parts of what we do. William has a good question. He said, how, if you may, may or may not know the answer to that question, but how were cast and crew contracts and compensation handled with the filming and within and, and outside those performances? Uh, special contracts were made for both the cast and the crew um, that relates to compensation and rules um every, everyone in the u.s is represented by a union and so those unions and our producers negotiated a special deal for those um, things and uh probably something that more and more is going to come up as streaming services want to keep capturing broadway yeah yeah no it's great um there's a little bit of a thread conversation about how stage management hired for the show and emma is and uh answered that it's hired by the general manager is that generally the process of Broadway shows that stage management's hired through general management? The actual official hiring is always through the general manager. Who might kind of bring a stage manager into that process can come from a lot of different angles, I think. Mm -hmm. Sometimes a director has a stage manager they really love working with. You know, they have a, a relationship and a working relationship, so they might bring them on. Um, sometimes a producer might. So on, on this one, the stage management team had done, worked with this same creative team on In the Heights. Um, so they had a, a working relationship. And then now, as Hamilton has really grown, it's, it's a really collaborative process in all our hiring. A lot of people bring a lot of talented people to the fold. Um, so JB, Jason Bassett, is our production supervisor who oversees a lot of kind of the continuity on the creative side. And, and he was our production stage manager. And now he's in that role. And so he does a lot of the work on, on making sure we're bringing in um, stage managers who, who uh, work with the, the larger team. On that, I guess, in terms of hiring and stuff like that, we go back to Matthew's question with regards to, I haven't heard of that, We See You White American Theatre. I guess that was the, is that a, that's an initiative? Uh, uh, do you know about We See You White American Theatre? Can you tell us about that? And then also if there's a response on that? You know, I think in, in the last couple of months, there's been a huge focus and importance on, on social justice and racial equality, and particularly as it pertains in theater, there is certainly a divide or, or um, like a lack of representation, which is something that I think all of us agree needs to be fixed and worked on. On Hamilton, we, on stage, we have one of the most diverse casts you know, any Broadway show, and we're we're really fortunate to to have that. And I think we like uh, basically every Broadway show and tour, and is looking at how can we also increase representation off stage and backstage. And it, it's something that uh, you know I I can't speak to in completely you know right now, but that we are actively working on figuring out what what ways we can increase our you know, diversity and inclusion in all facets of the industry, right? And, um, you know, that partly is going to be about keeping, you know, these sort of initiatives that are training people and introducing people of, of different backgrounds to the theater. 
that's really important to doing that process. But it's also, you know, we're working really hard on our, you know, inclusion training, uh, doing stuff like that. And then also we've, you know, I'm sure if anyone follows Hamilton's social media, you'll see that um, we're fortunate to have producers and, and managers who are politically active and support these sort of causes through through both what we're putting out there to the world um, as a show, through our social media, through where we're putting our funding. So we're not perfect, but we want to we want to get better. And it is something that, uh, well, I can't like tell you exactly what those things are because it's in dis- like a lot of discussion. It is something that we, as a team, and and people above me, particularly our producers and executive producers, talk about all the time and are actively working to improve. And I'm you know I'm proud to be part of a company that wants to be part of that change. I think it's great too because uh, you know it's not only just working up that awareness in uh, the states but it's a, it's been a global awakening for for some places as well you know in in Australia and I was recently speaking to people in Spain where it's really just started to highlight that let's look at more diversity and inclusion in in our in our arts and unfortunately historically that hasn't always been the case so we have to really work hard to undo those um uh, biases that exist within within our our industry. Yeah. So yeah, no, it's it's a it's a good thing. Oh my gosh, we've got lots of questions here, so we're better. <laughs> uh, AJ, he's, I think you did say it, but how many nights did you film the show to capture the version, the televised version? Um, I think we filmed three with an audience, three nights with mm-hmm. an audience, plus a special day of um, no audience uh, special mm-hmm. shots. Yeah. So, you know, I, there's, a, there's a lot of people on our, our call that are not necessarily in the States as well. So excuse us if we're asking questions that we don't, that uh, people in America might know. But Jenna asked, I don't know where you're from, Jenna, but what's the difference between company managers and production managers and do these roles and responsibilities ever overlap? The company managers are sort of, there's uh, one assigned or multiple assigned to each tour or production of Hamilton or of any Broadway show or tour. And um, they are doing a lot of the like hands-on management of it. So they are doing, they actually do like the payroll, the actual administration of payroll. They work with the theater and settle the box office. So they do a lot of the financials and in some ways, a lot of the HR part of it too. They're helping to figure out people's housing if they're on tour, their travel, all that kind of stuff. So they have a really wide ranging very challenging job. Um, a lot of respect for my company management colleagues. We, as production managers, tend to focus a little bit more on the the technical and logistics of of the show. So we work with the shops to figure out, you know, find find the right pricing, figure out efficiencies and how it's actually going to get built, and then figure out, you know, how many days do we need to load this into the theater? How many crew members do we need to run the show? So it's a little bit of a a difference in your day to day. We work together a lot, um, particularly as it pertains to the financials of a show. But our actual like day to day responsibilities differ in those ways. Dylan asks: As Hamilton has visited so many cities, what are some of the largest challenges that differ from each theater, theater slash city or region? The biggest one tends to just be the physical differences between a theater. So some theaters have four great loading docks and it's a straight shot to the stage and some you have to unload on the street and go around a corner and you know get into a space that's much much smaller right and so it can be you know that can be challenging to figure out how are we going to approach this load in this load out the actual layout of the show separately and so that's definitely been been a big challenge i mean we face various weather challenges, you know, all those sort of things. Uh, We're lucky to, for the most part, work with really great crews no matter where we go. And so their local knowledge and understanding how they've approached whatever their challenges before is um, really important and and leaning on our local partners is important. So explain how... um... When you're going internationally, what is the team that's involved to moving it to that country and what's sourced locally in terms of the show? Um, It can vary a little bit depending on various circumstances, but there is a local team for uh, London and there will be a, a whole local team for Australia. Actually, not that many people will end up going. So 
creative staff will go to those countries to help guide the creative process. From my end, I kind of work with uh, our partner in in London or in Sydney, who's going to be the local production manager and manage the day to day, particularly as Australia is going to tour to some other cities, having someone there who's knows that market. So we work with them and kind of do a handoff of knowledge, and they uh, they've come and watched watched me load in a show and and seen the process, and then we'll provide a lot of the you know kind of a, a handbook at this point of this is how you make a Hamilton. Um, so we'll hand <laughs> off a lot of that data to them so that they can duplicate it and create a really consistent production. And then as needed, team members will go to those places to help. Again, it's kind of just like a handoff of knowledge, right? We've been yeah. fortunate. You've got to a lot of plans here that I can kind of show as well. We see. <laughs> yeah. So there's a lot of detailed drawings about how this works. And, um, and so, yeah, it's, it's a partnership with those international productions in all fronts. What is the plan given the fact that, um, okay, so it's uh, it's over in London, obviously we've got COVID, so what what's the future of Hamilton in terms of where is it going, what are the plans moving forward, what are you doing right now, <laughs> what's happening um, now? Yeah, we're still on track to open in Sydney this uh, coming in 2021. And, uh, you know, everything is, I think, like, like everyone in the world, we're, we're watching the data, we're watching local regulations to see what it is. You know, when it's safe to do so, we will be opening as expediously as we can. Hamilton intends to have our, our companies out on tour again as soon as it's safe to do so. Um, those in the States maybe have seen that uh, Broadway is not planning to reopen until the end of May next year, um, which is is uh, certainly a hard pill to swallow, but we're, you know, the demand for the show is is there and we think it's still a an incredible product that people are, are hopefully going to want to see as soon as it's safe to do so. So uh, we'll, we'll be back out there and we'll be, uh, be doing shows again soon, I hope. Katie asked, now that there's so many productions out there at once, is there ever a collective production meeting or how, how does that, how do you, do you work collectively as teams or are you sort of letting them go out there and do their own individual section or are you ever meeting together? A little of both. We pretty rarely ever meet in the same physical space, but thanks to the <laughs> magic of Zoom and uh, conference calls, uh, different teams do different levels of inter company coordination, um, general managers, you know, there's a certain number of us that work on all the productions and, and we're kind of tasked with ensuring that consistency. So I'm lucky to work with a production carpenter, electrician, sound, props, wardrobe, and hair who oversee their own teams on each of these productions. And they help to make sure that there is a consistent product amongst their teams. And that group of people, as we work together, are able to kind of coordinate all those activities across all the companies, or if we're going to implement a change, make sure it's implemented across the companies. I know um, company managers do pretty regular calls amongst themselves to make sure they're doing the same thing about implementing things the same. Uh, like, like I said, in, in every aspect of Hamilton, it's about delivering a really incredible, consistent product no matter where you see it. So mm. there is some of that. On the flip side, like I'm not a micromanager just in my own style. And I'm fortunate that our teams on the ground in each of these productions are just so good at what they do. And I pretty much trust them implicitly to, to make the right decisions. Like they're the ones who are living, living with that production and every, what they're doing every day. And they're really good at uh, knowing when they need to make a decision to get something done versus when they want to, kind of call call the, their production person or call me or whoever and and do stuff so it's a collaborative effort in that way what's the logistics of having the show shut down and some of them i guess would have been pulled out of the theaters are they sitting in storage somewhere like where are they and are there any still sitting there with the is is the hamilton set still in its theater in new york and 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 what's the maintenance and servicing on that given that it's still all set up yeah, actually, most of our shows are still sitting in their theaters. One of them, we got out of a theater. It's sitting in a warehouse. But most are sitting in theaters either 
we didn't feel it was safe to load out at the time or we anticipate reopening in that theater when the time Mm -hmm. comes. And the initial phases are are kind of make everything safe, um, disconnect power, make sure, uh, you know, haze and fog are disconnected and stuff like that. Cover props and costumes to avoid dust and and critters. And and now it's about just kind of regular check-ins with our venue partners or with crew members that are, you know, local to the area um, to check in. You know, as we all know, feeders are old. Sometimes water drips or things, you know, things happen in feeders. So it's about just checking in on everything, making sure there's no damage. With, you know, obviously our goal is to be able to come back and do a period of time where we check everything out and and get our, our cast back up, uh, you know, back comfortable on on the set and and with all the cues before we open with minimal amount of having to do like significant rework when we get back. So just making sure everything is safe is important. And what is that rough time frame in terms of, is it, you know, with cast and tech um, and everything, is it going to be like six weeks? Is it going to be four weeks? Or like, we don't really, have, you, have you planned it yet? <laughs> we, we have not really planned it yet beyond, you know, acknowledging that it's, we're going to talk with our, you know, a lot of, there's going to be a lot of stakeholders as we come back. Right. And we want to make sure everyone's comfortable. So it's, it's going to be enough time that the tech team feels good about getting back in that. And the actors, like much like the actors, right. The, the doing something repetitively helps them to do it really consistently well. And, and to have walked away for what might be a year plus, um, everyone's going to need that chance to get back. And then it's going to be about just getting people comfortable with whatever safety precautions are going to be taken and and that's going to be paramount and so we have not set a timeline on on what the return is going to look like other than to say we're going to make sure to get input from a lot of people to make sure we can do it safely and on that i think that you know given the fact that you're you're going to so many different locations and and the what the covid safety precautions or the safety measures are in each place location country state might differ are you going to set like a a a procedure that's going to meet the all the shows are going to adhere to or you're going to have to sit there and work locally because it's not just the show right it's you your guys and their load in and and all of the aspect of people getting the show set up so it it's it, it's kind of a overwhelming task i think you'd probably have to set something that would be consistent for you as a crew to do is is that the plan or what's your yeah, thoughts our- on that our plan is is to create a, a protocol that we can use kind of wherever we go. So probably adhering to sort of the most stringent regulations that we anticipate meeting um, and being able to implement that in any city yeah. that we go to. John asked a question. He says he's heard of swings flying from one city to the other um, just for special cases. Are you responsible for coordinating those those swings or is that somebody else? Somebody else. And it's while it happens, it's pretty rare we're fortunate to have swings and understudies that stay with each company full-time it does happen on rare occasion if something you know weird scheduling blips um but i don't that actually mostly is coordinated through stage management and company management liz honest an interesting question and it'd be interesting to hear your thoughts on that how do you see the success of hamilton progressing into the rest of the world given that it's such an american history story yeah, I was sort of interested when we went to London what the reaction would be and having had the opportunity to sit there and watch it with that uh, London audience. It, really incredible. I think uh, what's interesting is some of the things that we find, like we get a good laugh in America. We didn't get as good of a laugh in in uh, in the UK, but some other items, we got a much bigger laugh. They really love King George. Uh, and... Uh, so it's a little bit of a different viewpoint that the audience is watching it through, but I think the merits of the show stand on their own, whether you're, you know, the American history or not, the entertainment part of it and the kind of incredible storytelling that happens sort of can go outside of, of an American audience pretty easily we found. So we're excited to see it uh, play in Australia for sure. And hope, hoping to have similar 
reactions. We, a lot of people are very excited, so that's a great sign. Yeah, well, let's let's see. We've got some Aussies on the call, so we'll have to see what they think when they get to see it in Australia. You know, and I think having watched it on online, you know, it is a it is a universal and interesting story. And then also on the back end of that, a lot of people around the world have been watching and reading, watching American films and and reading American literature. So we are not strangers to American history in, in that sense, I guess, in yeah. terms of some of the historical movies that have been out, you know. So I think uh, it's not a huge leap to jump into that to that realm. Jenna asks, sometimes things don't go as planned or as expected. So how do you respond to that? How do you remain calm and focused in, in times of, I'm sure you had a few at Puerto Rico. So how, how do you deal with stressful situations? Yeah, things don't go as planned a lot, unfortunately. Um, but uh, it's, I think, part of what I am, like, I'm a planner, so I very much like to sit down and say, okay, these are the new, you know, the new realities that we're facing and, and what, you know, what do we need to overcome these obstacles, you know, A, B, and C. And then I really am fortunate to be able to lean on a team of people that just have a lot of experience in what they, they do. I never claim to be like a subject area expert in almost anything that I'm doing. You know, I'm not a world-class rigger and I'm not a world-class sound mixer. I think I saw one of our sound mixers is on this call. Hi, Kevin. Kevin. And they just, they just know a lot more than, than I do about their individual things. So when something goes awry, it's incredible to be able to turn to your people and say, How, what do you think about this? What do you think is the best way to overcome this? And what I am able to do or what my job is, is to be able to synthesize all that information and help guide us to a, an outcome or a decision that will will do it. So for me, I would say leaning on my team and a and, uh, yeah, big, big plan of making like step-by-step plans. <laughs> I'm a planner too. I identify with that, Frank. <laughs> all the contingencies. Zoe asked a question I think it's more personal personal so it's a good it's a good one to slowly wrap up because we've only got an hour with you today um with the extra time that we have right now uh what are you particularly interested about passionate about and uh, are you finding um other ways to do things are you applying that to your work what are you doing that through this time yeah I mean I've enjoyed this silver lining of uh having some extra time to reconnect with family and spend extra time with them that I might not have uh, normally got. I'm a runner, so I've enjoyed being able to run uh, every day and do stuff like that. Um, but I'm also taking this time to, um, you know, I've, I, I've also worked, you know, outside of theater, I've worked on political campaigns before as like a, you know, an actual production person. Um, but I've taken this time to be able to volunteer and do some more political work which i've enjoyed i don't, don't always have time when we're working crazy long hours to to support causes that uh that you're, we're passionate about so uh, kind of doing all those things and uh enjoying a lot of the great outdoors yes because you're in colorado right i'm in colorado so i'm enjoying my hiking and all that stuff wonderful and what do you think should we do better when we come back from this pause in the industry like what what is it that you know we can, I mean, diversity is one of them, so that that's, 100%. we've got to tick that box. But is there other aspects of the industry you think should be improved and looked at while we've got the opportunity? Yeah, I mean, I, th- I think this will be a chance for us to all remind ourselves of the importance of safety and, and ways that we can make, make the industry safer. And I think that'll be something that's exciting to come back and see how we do it. I also, uh, you know, hope, and I, I don't have a solution for it yet, but I hope that it it gives us a chance to re-examine our work-life balance a little bit. And, you know, I think one of the really hard things in doing commercial theater, but, you know, big events, any of this is we work really long hours, we work weird schedules, we travel a lot, and and hopefully we can find some ways, you know, we've all developed these, you know, ways of having meetings and doing work and stuff in new ways. And hopefully that means we can continue to allow people to figure out, um, you know, just a healthier work-life balance and people can support their families still, and but also spend more time with them. Mm. Grace says that, do you think there's a culture of overwork and burnout in, in the industry in the USA? And she's just done a dissertation about it in Irish theatre. Oh, all right. I want, to, I, want to, um, I want you to send that to me. I want to read it. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I'm interested to know what you think. But uh, I think 
I, I don't know that it's so much. Uh, I, mean, I mean, yeah, I guess I would say that there is there is certainly a culture in the theater world, the commercial theater world of of working really long hours and who can who can get through the hardest week um, and sort of wearing it as a badge of honor. And sometimes that's just what it takes to get the job done. You know, it can certainly just be stressful on a person to work the kind of hours that we work. Yes, Grace, please email it to us. <laughs> yeah, I, I think it's an interesting thing. You know, that's a kind of a global, the arts, pe- people who work in the arts are often overworked and underpaid as a general uh, group. We don't necessarily go into it for for the reasons of making big bucks because that would be silly. You know, and I think it tends sometimes with corporate you know they, they 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 take advantage of that that passion and and and, and you and you work really hard and long hours. So I I'm I think that is one of the biggest things that we should all be looking at as we go back into back into the the world of work. And I agree with you that that balance. Being able to have lunch with my kids has been a blessing for the last six months, mate. <laughs> <laughs> Um, although, uh, okay, John had another question. Is there a dream production? This is a good one. Is there a dream production that you want to work for, like after Hamilton? Because, like, Hamilton's kind of one of the biggest Broadway shows. Yeah. Is there something else you want to you do? Um, you know, I, I love doing new shows. Like, I love the challenge of new shows. So that's always good. I think maybe a little outside the theater world, I would love to do, like, a big, like, Olympic opening ceremony or something like that, you know, which is just mm-hmm. next level in terms of scale. So um, maybe someday. Yeah, uh, you got to get to Japan first, get that one rolling, and then yeah, you can get on exactly. the get on the team, right? So, <laughs> Deanna asks, and this is another good question: What advice would you give to somebody who's looking to get into the industry right now and is just coming out of college or is still in college? What, have you got any advice as to yeah. as what they should be doing? I think now is maybe a great time to reach out to some people or companies that you admire. I mean, people have a little more free time than they might otherwise. So, uh, you know, grab a playbill and flip, you know, flip to the, the staff pages and say, this is a show I really love. I really love the lighting design. I really love the way the automation works, whatever you're passionate about and figure out who did it and reach out to them. You know, it's, I find that people kind of on our side of the world are, are more than happy to talk to to young people who are excited about this industry and excited about being a part of it. And now's a great time to start making those connections. I would totally concur with that. Look, Frank, thank you so much for uh, chatting with us today. I really appreciate the insight and the uh, stories that you had to tell about Hamilton. And uh, is there any final words you want to tell the, tell the gang that have been watching today? Thank you so much for joining. Um, you know, it's a, it's a weird time in the world right now, but I have no doubt that uh, theater and events and all these things are going to come back and it's going to be uh, better than ever. So hold out. It's, it's a hard time, but we'll be back. Please write a review on our podcast whenever you listen to our podcast. Let your friends know about us. You can learn more about Theatre Art Life by visiting our website at www.theatreartlife.com. And you can follow us on social media and leave your questions or comments on Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, Pinterest, Twitter, or YouTube. We really want to thank David Zaya for composing the music for our podcast and Michelle Sharotta, who is our sound engineer. We are your hosts, Anna and Anna, and this is the Theatre Art Life podcast, where we put the spotlight on those who create live entertainment around the world.